Welcome to season two of the Shopstool podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. With Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks, Brian Cush from Sawdust Bureau, and Robin Lewis from Robin Lewis Makes. Hi everyone, I hope you're all very well. This is episode 35, season two of the Shopstool podcast. As always, I want to start by, by introducing my, well, actually tonight it's just one co-host. Unfortunately, uh, Joey couldn't be with us tonight. He's working on that ridiculous staircase install. So hopefully we'll hear about that soon. So he's not going to be able to join us, but we do have Brian tonight. Brian, how's it going? I'm very well, very well. Bonsoir, bonsoir. How are you? <laughs> that's, a, that's a little bit of a teaser for what's coming yeah. on the show tonight. So my name is, is Robin Lewis. Welcome to the show, everyone. Tonight, we've got a, a very cool guest uh, for you. Uh, we're talking to our first Parisian, although he currently lives in Sydney. Um, he specializes in straw marketry, and some of the work that's on display is just unbelievable. So I don't want to waste too much more time going through the intro. We're going to get straight into this. So please welcome to the show, Arthur Seigneur. Did I get it right, Arthur? <laughs> is right, is right. Bonsoir. <laughs> so thanks very much for, for joining us on the show. Um, I guess always a good place to start. Um, maybe just a little bit about you and, and what it is that you do. Maybe, maybe, maybe tell us about the background, like how you got into straw marketry. Was it something that you learned at school or something that you learned at college or was it something that was in the family or how did you get into such a real specific craft? Like it's not just that your parents were a carpenter? Yeah, but it was sort yeah, of it's... running in the family, like in a different way. Uh, my grand-grandfather uh, grand, grand, grandfather was doing um, woodworking, but for cars. So he was doing the structure of um, automobile. And then my grandfather was a cabinet maker. And then my dad was an engraver artist. So it was sort of different. And so uh, definitely been in the family. Sort of, like, yeah, following. And then uh, for me, it was a bit different. I wanted to do more music things. So I wanted to become a musician, rock star, which didn't really work. And uh, so I had a friend going into woodworking and I just sort of follow him. And yeah, that's how, like, that's where it started, sort of, for me. Okay. When you when you say you were you wanted to uh, be a musician, what instrument were you playing? Oh, bass bass guitar. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, I used to play bass guitar in a punk band. Okay. So yeah, it was. Uh, when you had more hair, Robin, I, was it? I had dreadlocks, believe it or not. <laughs> I had dreadlocks at one point in my life, and that might be why okay. I have no hair now. So. Fair enough. Um, yeah, because I think the. Going back to the the straw marketry, it's a it's a very unique look and a very unique style. Yeah. And as Brian said, it's not something that everyone does. So was there was there someone's artwork, or did you see some work that used straw marketry that got mm -hmm. you excited to do it or inspired well, to use it? There was. I guess I came across straw marketry more because of what I was studying. So I, I, in France, I did a study of, uh, it's called Ebeniste, but it's where you specialize uh, more into veneer work. Um, so that's sort of where I find um, 
like due to my dad as well with uh, like being an artisan he knows quite a lot of other artisans and uh, I was lucky enough to met the person that brought straw marketry back into um, what it is uh, today um, so that's through her that I sort of discovered uh, the art and uh, yeah so when you say when you say brought it back it has fairly traditional roots in France correct mm. Yeah, because it's sort of like the origin of straw marketry is not very clear. Uh, it's sort of we know that in the 16, uh, 1600s, you could find a lot of straw work in Italy, for example. Um, but then it's sort of like there's not many, there's not much trace of it. And it's really into like the most well known historical period date from. It's from the Napoleonic War, uh, from the 1793 uh, and 1815, uh, and that was mostly practiced by prisoners uh, prisoner from the Napoleonic War. Right, okay. Mainly to relieve the, the prisoner from the, the boardroom. Like when, when they were bored, and they were, that was allowed them to produce small items um, like with a material that was really available, and uh, then they were selling those objects. So that was, yeah, prisoner and nun and and uh, yeah, re- religious people sort of um, doing those items. And they, like that was on much more smaller thing, like box or basket or um, lots of prisoners were. Uh, actually sellers so that was like boats that was all decorated with the straw it's, yeah. I think that's where but then after that it sort of people realized that it was sort of a really labored, uh, labor intensive work so they sort of um, it sort of got forgotten a little bit and it's only in the article period that it sort of came back like really um, it did a strong comeback in the Adeco period with two designers, which is uh, Jean-Michel Franck and André Groult, and they were starting to recover actually a whole room with straw marketry. So the whole room and furniture, and so that was pretty, pretty insane because it's really <laughs> labor-intensive, but yeah. I reckon it would be a good point for you to explain exactly what straw marketing yeah. is. I, I remember, I remember no the idea. first time that I met you was after a few drinks in Sydney and I got to see your workshop and I'm like, wait a second, hang on, you actually veneer with straw? So I think yeah. not many people, especially in Australia, it's such a foreign craft to us. I think it would be really good for you to explain to people exactly what straw marketry yeah, is. Maybe I should have started there too. Um, so straw marketry. <laughs> is the craft of forming a decorative panel of uh, straw veneer, and, uh, which is applied directly onto a substrate or a paper, depending, of, depending on what I need to do and if the, tricket, if the pattern is intricate. And so each steam of uh, straw is first uh, dyed, and then I have to split them with my nail and then flat them so all individually, and I have to glue them uh, edge to edge, uh, like yeah, glue them edge to edge, one one next to another. Um, so it's until the surface is all covered. So it, it can take a really long time. Uh, 
when you when you say take a really long time, like give us some kind of idea of like I don't know your uh, sideboards and things that you do. Like roughly, how many hours are you looking at to to do the marketry for the whole piece? Like I guess because it's always been like the the last body of work that I've done. Um, they took they took me quite a long time. But if you take a f- one square meter, for example, it would take me roughly three days just for just to lay the straw. Three days. Yeah, just to lay the straw, uh, and that's not counting if I have to dye uh, the straw, uh, the opening of the straw too. Um, so it's quite <laughs> it's quite labor intensive. When you when you, you you were talking earlier, you were saying you would use your nail to split the straw. Uh-huh. Is that is it traditional to, to do that by hand, or are there tools that you can use to speed it up? No, really, I tried to come up with tools to speed it up, but really, like, just by hand, the last thing, because the problem with straw, it's you've got your tool next to you, and you always grab one, do something, put it down, grab another one, do something, put mm-hmm. it down. And so if I have another tool to sort of open the straw and doing this and that, like, it's become way too long. Uh, like, okay. it's already sort of slow process, so if I sort of put tools in between, then it becomes even slower. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I guess once you get really good at it, I yeah, imagine it would so be quite. Quick. Yeah, it'd be actually fascinating to watch you work, because it would just be like an art form to just see you splitting <laughs> that straw because you've become so good at it. You got a good uh, sharp, sharp thumbnail. Sharp, yeah, yeah. Every morning I'm just like sharpening them. Before. <laughs> All I can think of is there is a. Uh, I think it would have been from like the Vietnam War. There's a torture method where you take bamboo strips and you stick it up a, a prisoner's thumbnail oh, yeah. to make oh, yeah. them. To- so when you're talking about splitting straw, I've just got this horrible image of that straw going <laughs> under your nail yeah. well, and how does, painful it, that would be. It does happen sometimes. It's fairly sharp too. It's like paper. So sometimes yeah. you get cut like a little bit like paper under the nail. It sort of hurt. But, yeah. Oof. Yeah. And the straw itself, where do you get that from? Um, so I get the, f- the straw from France because the thing is like as you say before we're not really now it's a bit changing now there's more and more people starting to do straw marketry but it's still sort of not uh, a well-known craft uh, so there's only one supplier in the whole world and every all of my colleagues in, in straw marketry we all go to the same supplier which is in France wow. um, so there's not many, but then I sort of, I started to look as well, like to get it locally. Um, mm. But it's always a bit intrigued, like it's, com- it's complicated because in France they really grow the straw, they, they don't uh, modify the gene of the straw. So they really grow, once they grow, they grow like two meters long where in Australia, the few farmers that I approached that was growing straw, they all told me, oh no, we don't do that. We just, we've got uh, grain that will grow quick and short um, because mm-hmm. it's not in the interest. Like in France, they're not growing the straw actually to get the crop out of it. They just get the actual straw. So they don't even wait that the plant come to maturity and they just cut it when it's still green. Mm-hmm. And then they've got a certain way of laying them. So it's really... Yeah, it's, it's 
just the preparation, uh, that first step of the straw, it's already um, it's, it's already a process itself. It has to be respected and all that. So, yeah, that, that's where I'm mm. getting the straw at the moment from France. But. Sure. And the, the glue that you use, is it a special type of glue? I assume it's not tight bond. No, <laughs> I tried tight bond, but um, it was actually... Like, it was giving me a bit of a weird, um, how do you say, like a, a weird discoloration on the straw. Mm. Um, right, okay, it would take the dye out of the straw, maybe? No, it was, like, giving, because I guess it's got some waterproofing agent inside, and so it was sort of making the straw go uh, green phosphorescent. Like, oh, okay. a, a really weird reaction, and so... So no, I'm not using uh, <laughs> because you can't send the straw as well. Like the the finish of the straw, that's his natural. Like that's the natural finish. So you can't put any varnish or lacquer. Uh, oh, there's no finish on any. There's no finish, no. Like which is wow. interesting because the the straw. So when you apply it, is um, each piece of straw basically already got his own finish. So that's why when you see a piece, like it's hard when you don't have a picture or if you can't see a piece in front of you, but it's really, the, uh, the straw really play with the reflection of the light. So it's really crazy when you walk around a piece of straw marketry, every little bit of straw is going to light in a different way. And then one color, you can use, you can do a whole picture with just one color, but just changing the direction of the grain and the whole picture will be different. Like, it's pretty amazing. Like, the, the picture will have different shade of the color you were using, uh, just by putting mm. it in a different way. So that's the magical part of the, of the straw. But yeah, and because I, I, can't, I can't send it, so I'm using actually just a regular PVA glue. Just a PVA? Yeah. The, the light, to me, is what really I remember seeing the cabinet that you did with um, Adam Goodrum, the big circular cabinet with the starburst on it. Yeah. Like, the light that comes off that and the reflections as you move the, like, open the door is like nothing I've ever seen before. Like, I I, I don't think with timber veneer you can ever get close to the same kind of reflections as straw. And I'd never thought about it being... The fact that the finish is in the straw as opposed to being a lacquer over the top, like mm-hmm. it's really interesting, I'd say. Um, so how how well, like how hard is the finish of the straw, like because it's obviously maybe a, what like quarter of a millimeter thick. Yeah, or not even. Yeah, exactly. Not even. Yeah, maybe a quarter. Of <laughs> Let's go. But it's with that. pretty. It's pretty strong once it's flattened and veneered. Yeah. Yeah, like it's different. If the structure at the back is soft, uh, the straw will be soft as well. But if the structure is pretty strong, then it, it should be fine. It's it's fairly like it's delicate. You st- you still need to be careful. But for example, I just done a bookcase maybe a year ago now uh, that I went back to to see because I have to do more uh, addition to it. Um, to put stuff in it but it's been used for a year and when I went there like the people that got that bootcase they're so careful with it that there's not a single scratch on it Um, so it's pretty if you take care of it like it's it's like a wooden table if you take care of it 
then it, it lasts last long. It, yeah. It's the same with straw. Like it's we've got that idea that it's made with straw and it, like it, it won't be solid or it won't be yeah. resistant. Uh, yeah. But in fact, it's really good. And like even another uh, good point with the straw is that compared to wood veneer, for example, if something drop on a wood veneer table and you've got a chip in the veneer, then it's sort of like you need to do a cut and sort of triangle to go in with the grain to try to cover the thing and match it and not really seeing it. Where with the straw, if anything happens, I can go back to the job, just take my scalpel, uh, lift the piece of straw and change it on the, change it on mm. the spot and that's it. Like I don't have to... Because, it, because it's always straight grain? <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. Well, it's depending of the of the pattern, but yeah, like I can restore it where it needs to be restored. Cool. And so it's, hmm. it's it's funny. Whenever I think of veneered wood veneers, a lot of the time the wood veneer is just a way of getting the wood look on a piece of plywood, so a solid substrate. Uh-huh. So you're kind of cheating by putting <laughs> a wood veneer on plywood. <laughs> As soon as you do something like straw, you've just you've turned it into something completely amazing. So it's not like a way of staining or cheating. Yeah. You've made something incredible. So it's a whole new piece all on its own. That's amazing. Yeah, but I guess it's almost like um, a, at the school where I learned um, vineyard work, they were sort of saying vineyard is basically um, painting on wood. And so that's how I see... Um, I see a straw marquetry. It's like I'm painting with the straw, sort of. Mm. Yeah. I like that. So you were talking about a, a bookcase that you've um, that you were doing. Have you done any big projects for any high-profile clients? You don't. You don't need to tell yeah. us any names. <laughs> yeah. But have you done any high-profile work? Uh, what do you mean by high-profile work? Like any. Uh, um, big exhibition pieces or any very expensive pieces or anything anything out of the ordinary yeah uh, I, I uh, yeah I do have quite a lot of clients like I've, I'm pretty fortunate uh, in my job because all the clients that I've got uh, uh, obviously people that can afford uh, the labor of those work mm. uh, and the, all the work that I'm doing is sort of uh, custom to and uh, so I've done, I think I'm really lucky that I've been able to work on really good work. Uh, but at the moment, I'm working on a project with uh, a designer called Adam Goodrum. And uh, we've been creating our own, um, like, sort of a, a new business that we call ANA. And it's, we, we focus on making uh, one-off pieces, but really... We really try to push the boundary, so we try to mm. apply the straw on curves your face and um, mm. with shape and different, like really colorful and just trying something different. And uh, we had some really good, um, yeah, good return, if I can say like that. Mm. Yeah, they are incredible. For anybody who's not familiar with Arthur's work, that it's definitely worth. Just giving him a quick Google and and seeing the types of pieces that he, he creates because I don't know for me the I I don't know I go online I go on Instagram and I see a lot of the same furniture and even really good furniture makers a lot of their stuff tends to look pretty samey 
some of the time. And I think you look at Arthur's work and it looks like nobody else's work. Yeah, like, absolutely agree. Uh, it, it's incredible. Even if, you, even if it's not the type of style of furniture that you're used to, it smacks you in the face. Like it's like, this is not something that I've ever seen before. And that is the thing that I love about it the most. Like, and it's the combination for me of the forms that you create are quite heavy. Like they're big, heavy forms. Yeah. But it's the, the marquetry offers a lightness to it. Mm. Um, and especially when you see the piece in person and you see the reflections of light, it's just that combination of a heavy form with like a real fine detail. Is uh, uh, I've honestly never seen anybody's work that, that, uh, that is quite as impressive in person. I think a lot of people's work you can photograph and if you have a really good photographer, they can capture the essence of the work, whereas... <laughs> I don't see any photographer that is able to capture your work quite as good as it looks in yeah. person. I think that's the problem that I've got the most. Like the uh, when I started, I had a really good. Like I guess, like everybody starting, the first advice that I got was you need to have really good picture to okay. to showcase your work. Uh, but the problem with my work is to take really good pictures. So it's like the picture is always good when you look at them. You're like, wow, the work is impressive. But then when you see it in the flesh, it's like oh like I, I didn't expect that like it's really yeah, it's much more of a feeling um, thing yeah what does your workshop look like Arthur does it look like a traditional woodworking oh. workshop <laughs> or is there any special tools that tell, you have maybe tell, tell them about the first workshop that you had in, in Sydney when I met you tell them what yeah, that was uh, like uh, <laughs> Uh, the first it workshop. Sound good. No, uh, no, it was actually good. Like it was for, amazing. for first studio, it was sort of it was really bohemian. If I can have one word to describe it, it was sort of like this big, uh, it's a massive warehouse that uh, a friend took over and divided in many small art studio. And so I had just a little spot. Um, I was just starting to. I just arrived in Australia. I didn't know anybody. Uh, so I needed a workshop, find this one, it was really cheap, and um, I think we were 30 other artists, artisans working there, um, and uh, yeah, I think at the beginning my workshop didn't look like much, but then slowly, I think there's just lots of straw everywhere in my workshop. <laughs> I, I do remember shelves full of dyed straw. Yeah, it's just that. Uh, it's just not, not like a barn, though. Not like a not 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 hay bales. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. organized French straw. Yeah, yeah, nice color palettes. And and now, where what's your where's your work? Is your workshop in? Uh, sit near to where you live, or is uh, it? At the moment, is a little bit complicated because I decided to actually move to Melbourne. Um, oh, okay. So I recently moved down and uh, I arrived to the best period when the second lockdown was hitting. Um, oh, okay. So I sort of had to stop looking for a workshop and I'm currently, uh, thanks to Adam Markowitz, which I think you had on your show already, um, he had got into the VWA, uh, the Victorian Woodworking Association. So that's, um, I'm there at the moment because of few works that I needed to do, but uh, sort of looking for another workshop soon. 
And the VWA is completely reopened after lockdown, yeah? Uh, no, it's fully closed. Oh, like it's, it's fully closed, yeah. except to the three uh, Except to the tenants, but for the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're currently looking for another workshop? I am, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still. Okay. While we're on the, the, the topic of COVID-19, and I just find this very interesting to see how it's affecting people, has it affected your business at all? Um, yes, a little bit, because the... Like I'm starting to have a lot of work too for uh, more international, um, working not as much in Australia but more sending works away, and so I could definitely see that few works been cancelled because obviously of what was happening and transport and things like that, uh, job that did didn't start and um, so it did affect me in one way, but. I've, Thought it was pretty good because then I can just focus on making um, more pieces. So mm. I think it's. Yeah. I think mostly it's been good for me. It's been a strange thing because I think going into it, like I remember doing the first show with you, Robin, when we were like, "Oh shit, what is happening here?" Yeah. But I think um, for creatives especially guys like Arthur that do really unique stuff it's times like this when you're able to get a break from the usual run of clients and usual run of work to really create unique pieces and work on design yeah so in hindsight like obviously going into it, it's like oh my god how am I going to survive how am I going to get in especially in Victoria where we weren't able to visit our workshops even yeah mm. but yeah. in the long term it's something maybe you look back on as opposed you know, with some kind of positivity is it was a period where creatively we were allowed to grow a bit but and not have the usual daily grind of go, having go, go, clients. Go, 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 go. Yeah, you know, yeah. oh, it'll be delivered on Friday and then you get a phone call on Thursday morning. Is it, is it, is it coming yet? Yeah. But um, I hear what you say, like especially for people like you that do a lot more work internationally, it's going mm-hmm. to be an interesting uh few months ahead I think yeah but I think it's good like I sort of the milestones is a little bit weird but I'm sort of happy as well like I prefer to do like I, I like to work for other people too or like for uh, decorator or things like that but I feel more and more I would prefer to do my own things um, mm-hmm. and I think I'd be ready to even if I know that I want to have like income coming all the time my way or like I'm willing to live with that stress too because I sort of uh, I've been through a period where I was just working 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 so hard for decorator and client that I was feeling like I'm not even loving my work anymore I'm just doing things Mm -hmm. to do things and it's like it's just a job now it's just a job yes and I was like oh that's not what I want to do and so like being hard on myself after and saying like then I got lots of work with where I say no I just don't want to take it I just want to do my thing and focus on that and really trying to do yeah Yeah. but that just shows like a really good career progression right it's like you've kind of passed through that initial phase where you have to work 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 
yeah. and say yes to everything to now being able to say no to things is yeah I think shows the, the, everything's yeah. heading in the right direction right yeah but it's always like it's uh there's always that thing where it's a little, still a bit hard to live um, with that, but then, I don't know, if you live cheaply, um, <laughs> like, it's always a way. If you live like an artist. Yeah, yeah you, you can always find a yeah, solution. And can I ask you, how did you get into the collaborative work with Adam Goodrum? What was the... Was that that did he see your work um, and no, you, or what was the... But it's, when I first came to Australia, so I... Like first came in Australia, I didn't know anybody, so I was sort of like. How many, how many years have you been in Australia? Uh, it's five years now, so five, 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 six years. So when I came here, I had in mind to to start straw marketry. I sort of looked. I see that nobody. I saw that nobody was doing it in here. Um, so I thought, right, let's let's try to to call some decorator and things. So I went to every architect in Sydney and decorator and designer and the showroom shop and media. So everybody knocking on every door and just leaving samples and cards and everything. And so Adam um, kindly, I think he was one of the first to reply and say, yep, sure, come to my workshop. Because I just said to him, I'd just like to meet you. I've seen your profile, really like your work. And um, I'd like to chat with you about the design in Australia and so he was the first one to sort of reply and say cool come to my workshop we can have a chat I don't really know how I can help you but uh, let's do that and so when I arrived uh, I didn't really had a chance to ask any question and it was just because I brought him some sample and when he saw the sample he was like oh like asking all those questions but where you come from why are you coming to <laughs> like uh, we should work together, and he, yeah, and he was just really kind too, uh, and with his time, and I think we yeah, we became friends more uh, before to have this work relationship, and we always thought we want to do something together, but waiting for the time, and uh, we had few work that we've done together in the past. Uh, that was for charity actually, where we covered a chair from Fritz Hansen. Uh, the oh, Series yeah. 7 yeah. chair, uh, we, which was pretty graphic, <laughs> um, right? if you find it on the internet. Um, and then after that, we always talk about Redo One Piece, and then uh, he's been invited for something in, in Italy, uh, in Milan, and then he was like, oh, maybe we should do something for, for this show. And that's how it all started. That's cool. Can I ask you those um, the pieces that you're doing with him currently, like the ones that are the super colorful, like curved cabinet and the curved sideboard. What is the substrate for the? Is it MDF? Is it plywood? Or what is? What no, do you use as the substrate? I don't use MDF. Uh, it's mostly birch ply. Birch ply, right? Yeah, and, it's and then you carve it to. Yeah, like we. Um, oh, you mean to do the. Um, how do you say? To do the complex curves and things, like, uh, like there's some serious curves on those pieces. And I was just wondering whether it was CNC'd or whether they're freeform carved or to get the substrate to the shape that you then apply the straw to. Oh, yeah, so we do... Uh, oh, yeah, uh, I see what you mean now. Uh, so we okay. do, like, a sandwich of plywood. 
right, okay. that we come and shape it yep. to the thing and then I sort of apply a finish on it, uh, send it to a really smooth. Because the problem with true as well, it's because it's so thin, uh, your surface under has to be really well prepped. Uh, if yeah. not, like if I glue straight onto the plywood, you will see sort of like many, you will see the the plywood. It telegraphs the whole it thing telegraphs through, yeah. through the straw, yeah. yes. So you, I need to sort of put a finish onto the onto those one first and then send it to have like a really big grip on it and just glue the straw over it. Right, okay. Yeah. Is that, Brian, is the, are those the pictures that are on Instagram, the very colorful ones? Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, like the most recent cabinet, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah that's, um, it's, it's, it's quite refreshing to see so much color in woodworking yeah. instead <laughs> of just the color of wood. Yeah. But I think like, that's what we're thinking. Like, we, yeah, it's always a bit, like I love, brown, like I'm from a more traditional background too. Um, so it was like always black, those warm color, like brown or green. Or, but working with color at first, I was like, um, I'm not really sure about it. Like, mm. It's a bit too much. But it's true that color just brings a sort of joy to people. Like people relax to see color in this. Yeah. Mm charming about it yeah I think your handle of color is really really cool because for me personally like I don't I don't tend to stain furniture because I don't like the way that stain integrates into the timber like I don't like mm -hmm. the way that the dyes will sit in the grain and it instantly is trying to get the type of species that you're working with to look like something else and trying to yeah. like denaturalizing the yeah yeah but I think the second that you introduce really strong colors to it and you're saying right okay this is trying to be something completely different mm. it becomes really interesting um, <laughs> unless you unless you get it wrong and then it becomes silly <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah, looks like exactly, a kid's yeah. toy and that's yeah. that's sort of the line that you've got to you've got to walk yeah, yeah yep. but that's the problem yeah. we've got sometimes when we sort of decide on the colors like we have to find really the the thing that is not going to look like a toy um, that's mm. serious enough to be like you know yeah, that someone will I, see it and like it I think the only um, do you know Raw Edge Furniture do you know the English, I yeah, think yes, English company UK, yeah. I think they are the only people that I've seen that has such a good control of really vivid colours <laughs> in furniture design that, that you do like they they pick their palettes really well and it's it's a dye rather than a stain mm -hmm, yeah. um it just looks awesome. Um, and yeah, I, I see your work as being kind of in that upper echelon of a really unique, colorful work that uh, just terrifies the shit out of me. Like, I can't work with <laughs> colors. I can, deal with, I can deal with timber and I can deal with blondes and reds and browns, but the second introducing color, green, no, yeah. it scares me. It scares yeah. me, Arthur. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm always just amazed to, to look at what you're doing. Well, I think that's probably a good place to end the show. So anyone who's got this far, if you haven't already, go and have a look at Instagram mm. because, yeah, those when, when Brian pitched the, the idea of getting you on the show, Arthur, um, it, it's the first time that I've looked at someone's pro, Instagram profile and sort of gone, hang on, that's, that's different. That's really different. And then, you know, scroll, scroll, scroll. 
So yeah, if you haven't already, go and check out Arthur's Instagram profile. So to everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please go ahead and give it a rating on iTunes. That really does help us out. The Shop Store podcast is available on iTunes and most other podcast apps. My name is Robin Lewis. Brian, thank you very much for hanging out today. Joey, hopefully, will be with us next week. Arthur, thanks once again for coming on the show. It was really interesting to hear about a process that I know myself personally and, and probably a lot of our listeners have never even heard of before. Uh, thank you really for fascinating. Me. Yeah, no problem at all. It's been awesome. Au revoir. Cool. Over. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's the way we get into the show. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks again. Take care, and we'll see you in the next show.